One day when I was young, I saw one house near mine, something interesting was happening. There was a little crack that zigzagged up and to the right in the foundation of the house. And I didn't know what it was, but each day I went by, I would just, just look at the crack and you couldn't see it growing each day, but slowly over time, it began to grow and grow and grow. And it eventually it got to be about an inch or two wide, just this gap in the foundation of the home. So one day some construction workers were out there. Then they, they like filled it with concrete or something. And I was like, oh, okay, it's fixed. Looks, looked good for a while. A few months later, the crack begins to grow and to grow and to grow. I don't know if any of you have ever had this happen with your house. So then I noticed there was a, another gap again. Then some more workers came out. This time it was a bigger crew. They replaced a bunch of the brick. So now all of a sudden it was a two-tone house, right? The brick below was different than the brick above. Um, it was kind of different, kind of caught your attention. That looked good. A few months later, I began to see them separate even more. And then eventually, what looked like happened was the whole family moved out of the house and then they began gutting the house and renovating it from the bottom to the top. And I, I don't really know what happened after that, but eventually the house got fixed. And over the years, as I've thought about that house and my neighbors, I've come to two conclusions as I've reflected on my observations. Number one is that I am a terrible neighbor because these people lived right near me and never once in the years of watching their house fall apart did I ever go say hello to them ever introduce myself to them. I still don't know who they were to this day. I'm a terrible neighbor. And number two, I learned that foundations are important. And if you don't have a good one, then your life is going to be a long and an expensive nightmare. And that's true for houses. It's true for houses of worship. It's true for all buildings. But I would say it's even more true for our faith. If we don't have the proper foundation things aren't going to be good for the long term. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be in a series called Faith Foundations, where we're going to be exploring some foundational things, foundational practices you can do to help build a stronger faith and have a strong foundation. And I'll just tell you up front, the things we're going to talk about, they're not cool, they're not innovative, they're not new, they're kind of like the concrete slab that this church sits upon, right? You need it. You need them for the long term. And if you're, you're not doing these things, you're not engaging these things, then you can expect that you're probably going to have some difficulties in the future. And so this morning, we're, we're going to start with something that's very foundational, very primary. And we're going to talk about engaging the Bible together and how important the Bible is as we grow in our faith. And now, Maybe some of you can picture this. Maybe this is you today, or maybe this was you at one point. But if you didn't know anything about Christianity, and you'd never been to a church, as soon as you walked into most churches, you'd begin to figure out that the Bible seems to be important for Christians. I mean, if you just walk in our lobby, you see a little sign that says, Free Bibles. Since I've been here in the last couple of years, we've given out hundreds of Bibles free to people, anybody who wants them. Later in the service, we're giving out Bibles to third graders so that as they're beginning to learn how to read, they can have God's Word in a, in a, in a Bible that's easy to understand for them. Pretty much every worship service, at some point, all around the world right now, people are opening up the Bible and they're reading it aloud publicly together. If you go to some churches, maybe you grew up in a church like this, 
where like a little kid brings a life-size Bible that's this big all the way to the front and sets it up on the pulpit. And it's like the biggest Bible you've ever seen if you grew up in a traditional church. And then even today, some of you probably brought your Bibles, whether it's on an iPad or whether it's a, it's a paper copy. And this week in my weekly email, I said, hey, I want you to bring a Bible to church if you have one that's your favorite Bible or a Bible that's special to you. Anybody here bring a, bring a Bible? This Okay, awesome, good. We're going down, We're going down here now. Okay, so I, I asked people, hey, if you have a Bible, I want you to bring it to worship because I think that's a good practice. Um, but if you have a Bible that has some kind of special significance to you or is sentimental in some way, would you raise your hand if you're willing to talk on the mic? <laughs> uh, let's see, let's see. Gretchen, what, what's yours? My first husband gave this to me in 1975, and he was not a believer. Wow. Okay. Awesome. So it was a gift a long time ago. Who else? I'm not, y'all aren't used to me doing this, are you? Everybody is scared right now. Anybody else have one special story? What, what's the significance of this one? I was given to me by a friend years ago. It's a men's study Bible, and it's marked up pretty good. Okay. Got lots of notes in it. Anybody, anybody over here? Okay, Marlene, let's... let's Let's hear about, about your Bible over here. This Bible was given to me by the lady who led me to the Lord. Oh, wow, that's special. Hers even has a metal plaque on it with her name. That is, that is a cool, I've never seen that. Okay, any, anybody else? Chuck, what, what's, what's, what's special about yours? It's inscribed, has my name on it, and um, I've taken it with me on both deployments I was with. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's cool. Hey, give a round of applause for people who brought their Bibles today. I'm not trying to shame anybody. No, I'm not trying to shame anybody, uh, but I, I do think it's an important practice so that you can follow along um, and so you can make notes. And uh, some research has been done lately. Actually, this is not planned, but uh, you know, now it's like paper versus digital debate. So they do say... The paper Bible, you retain more. That's what I'm just saying. I'm old school that way. Um, so those are some of y'all's special Bibles. And today, actually, I brought a Bible that is special to me. This is called the Student's Life Application Bible. And I got this one. It's kind of worn now. I got this one when I was going into the sixth grade at Conyers First United Methodist Church. Uh, we actually got Bibles as third graders. We got kids' Bibles. And then later we got student Bibles. And this Bible is special to me. One, it's sentimental because of, because of that. And it has like little notes. And I love how a Bible can turn into like a time capsule. It has like little sheets of paper. And I'm like, whoa, I circled that verse back then. And like, you can kind of see how you've grown over the years. But, but really, the reason why this Bible is special to me is because this is the Bible where I really began reading it, engaging it, and learning who God was. It was through the words on these pages that I began to not just learn like information about God, but I began to experience God transforming my life. I began to have an encounter with God through this Bible. And, and really, that's kind of one of the reasons why the Bible is so special for Christians and why it's revered, why it's held with respect. It's, it's because this is God's unique revelation to us, His creation, regarding him, who he is, his character, and how we can have a relationship 
with the living God. And um, Nicky Gumbel, who uh, is a pastor in London, he compared it to a love letter. He said, you know, the Bible could be thought of as a love letter. And, you know, you save love letters and over time you might go back and read them. And he says, the, the love letters aren't, aren't special just because of like the letters on the page. They're special because of the person who wrote them and because of what they're trying to communicate to you. And it's similar with the Bible. This is special because God is trying to speak to us and have a relationship with us through these words that are uniquely inspired by him, written over many people, written over a long period of time. And when you begin to open up the Bible, even though it's, it's, it's a library of books, and it's written in a lot of different genres, a lot of different styles, ultimately, the scriptures point to one person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the one who perfectly expresses God's love for us. Jesus, who saves us from our sins. Jesus, who gives us life, who gives us abundant life here and now, the life we were created to live. And Jesus, who gives us eternal life with God in the future. Ultimately, everything in here is pointing to him, the fulfillment of the scriptures. And um, I love, at the end of John's gospel, we find this verse. John has written a lot of things in the gospel, and then we find this. At the very end, he says, but these words that I've written about Jesus' life, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And that's a summary there at the end of the gospel of John, but I think that could also be a summary of the entire Bible that these words have been written so that you may believe in Jesus. You may know him and you may experience the life that he desires for you. This isn't just an old ancient textbook. This is a book that has the power to give life. And Jesus, the one who is above the scriptures, who is beneath the scriptures, who's in the scriptures, who's the fulfillment of scriptures, he actually talks at one point in his ministry about foundations and about foundational things and how his words are tied to a foundation, a strong foundation for our life. And so if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up Matthew chapter 7. It's about here in your Bible, if you need help, uh, about two-thirds the way through. Matthew chapter 7. So Matthew is one of the 66 books of the Bible. It's one of the four Gospels, the books in the Bible that tell us specifically about Jesus' life and follow him. And so in Matthew chapter 7, at the end of the greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells the people listening this. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great Crash, And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings. 
because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So one of the things I love about this parable that Jesus gives us is that he says there's two houses. And really from the outside, it's likely they probably looked pretty much exactly the same. So you have one house over here. You have one house over here. Maybe they had the exact same blueprint. Maybe actually they were in the same vicinity with one another. Maybe the people who were building these houses built them at the same time. It would have likely been the dry season when they were building them. When for months there wasn't rain there. So they're building them. They're working on them day after day. Maybe in the evening when they're tired, they they share a jug of water together. And so we have these two houses that look pretty much exactly the same. And Jesus says the only difference between the two houses is the land upon which they are built. And in the dry season, when everything's kind of dusty, you might not have even been able to tell very clearly which one was built upon what. But then the rainy season comes in. And after it hasn't rained for so long in this desert climate, all of a sudden, there's a lot of rain, there's a lot of water, there's flash floods. And so water begins flowing in around and trying to get below these houses. And Jesus says, one of the houses, the house built on sand, collapses and it has a great crash. But the other house survives the storm. The people inside of it have security and safety. And so we see here that the storm reveals the foundation of each house. One foundation leads to destruction, maybe even death. The other house, built upon a solid foundation, leads to life, to security, to safety for this family. And and sometimes when Jesus teaches in parables, they're kind of confusing and like it's hard to figure out exactly what he means. But this isn't one of them. Because here he tells us exactly what he means. He says, look, those who hear my words and put them into practice are like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. And then he says, those who hear my words and don't put them into practice are like the foolish man who built his house upon sand. And while here Jesus is talking specifically about his teachings and his words that he's been given to his disciples and others who are listening, I think this teaching is also applicable to the wider word of God, to the entirety of the scriptures. If we want a solid foundation for our faith, then that foundation is built upon listening, reading, engaging the scriptures, and living them out. And I want you to notice both of those things. Because both people in this story, they both heard the Bible. They both knew, Jesus says, look, these, all these people knew my words. There's a lot of people who go to church every day of their life. They're in Bible studies 10 times a week. Jesus says that doesn't matter. It's not enough to hear my words. He says the foundation, the strong foundation is not only listening, but also living them out on a daily basis. And one other thing I want you to notice is that in the parable Jesus doesn't say that if you engage my words and you live them out, that you won't have storms in your life. He doesn't say, if, if, if you don't listen to what I say and you ignore me, then you're going to have storms. If you notice, storms come upon both people. 
Storms come upon every single person in the story, and it's the same way in our lives. It doesn't matter how much you love God, how much you give, how obedient you are, you're still going to experience storms in your life. The difference is how you will weather those storms. And here we find Jesus saying that if you have a solid foundation, if you have a foundation built upon listening, reading, engaging his words and living them out, then you will be able to make it through whatever storms come your way. And this week um, at the Alpha course that we're running on Wednesday nights, we were actually, the topic was the Bible. And Alpha, there's, there's a teaching component and then there's discussion around tables. And uh, there was one guy at my table, Bryant, uh, I want to invite him to come up. Um, he began telling me some stories kind of from his past um, about storms in his life and foundations and the Bible. Um, and, and I thought they were significant enough that uh, we wanted to hear from him today. So would you give Bryant a round of applause as he comes up here? So Brian, um, on Wednesday night, you were telling me a little bit about kind of growing up. Uh, you grew up, you're the definition of a country boy. <laughs> I'm just saying, tell everybody where you grew up. Uh, in the small town of Molina, it's only like a, a mile big, either which way you go. Yeah, so he grew up in Molina, not that far from here, um, but he grew up in Molina. And then what was your childhood like going to church and, and things like that? I mean, it was, it was good. I mean, I had a strong foundation starting out. I mean, I was in church every Sunday, every vacation Bible school, uh, every youth group, anything that was going on with the church, I was involved in. Hmm. Like from as far back as I can remember to hmm. up until the time I was about 14. Hmm. And uh, so did you have Sunday school teachers and like yeah, volunteers? Yeah, I, I actually had, uh, I had, well, the church bus came and got me until I was old enough to ride my bike. And then oh, every, wow. I'd ride my bike to church every <laughs> Every chance I got, because it was only three miles from my house, so. <laughs> only three miles riding yeah. your bike. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had one Sunday school teacher named Miss Mary, and uh, she was always heavily involved with all the younger kids. She hosted Easter at her house, like, every year, hmm. and she would help us memorize uh, Bible verses and try to help us stay more connected with God. Hmm. That's cool. So you said you grew up in the church until you, you said you were, like, 14. What, 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 what happened there? Uh. I kind of, I guess I got fed up with the small town life, mm. and I figured there was more to life than going to a small church in a small town, and I winded up venturing out and winded up running with the wrong crowd and pretty much trying every single drug that you can name. Mm. And then it, it went on for years to where it got to the point to where I got strung out on so many different drugs that it was, I was downhill fast, going down the wrong road, no exit, no turnaround, mm. or at least I didn't think there was. Yeah. And uh, it ruined uh, Pretty much everything, relationships with family, friends, marriage, relationship with my kids, mm. it pretty much destroyed my life. So it's kind of that downhill trajectory. I mean, I it, could be, it could be thought of as a storm, right? I mean, so yeah. the storms in their life happen around you, inside you, and then there was a great crash kind of in your life. What, what was that? Rock bottom, jail. Mm. And it just, uh, when I went into jail, I was so strung out, I was 118 pounds and just had been up for probably like two or three weeks straight and didn't sleep a wink or nothing. And I got locked up in the first week. I pretty much spent just sleeping and, you know, sobering up. And when I finally got sober, I didn't really talk to too many people. I stayed in my cell a lot by myself, solitude. 
And uh, as I was sitting in there, I didn't really have nothing to do besides work out and pretty much just reflect and think. So I started remembering all these verses that I had memorized when I was a kid. Mm. But I didn't know I had to memorize. You know what mm. I mean? It, it, until that point, it never crossed my mind. Mm. And uh, I started remembering a lot of these different verses, and it got me thinking and trying to reflect on them, and I was trying to figure out why I remembered those verses. Mm. And uh, so I asked one of the guards to try to get me a Bible. Mm. And I kept asking and kept asking. You know, It took him about two weeks, and he couldn't get his hands on one, so he brought me his personal Bible. Mm. Wow. And much to my surprise, when I got his personal Bible, I started going through it, and all the verses as I was remembering he had highlighted in his Bible. Wow. So that was kind of a shocking moment, and that kind of put more into perspective that there was a reason I was remembering them verses. Hmm. Although I can't recite them now or tell you what those verses were, but at the time, it was exactly what I needed. Hmm. Wow, so it got you what you needed when you were there in that moment. So then you're in jail. You eventually get out. I mean, what, what was kind of life like after that? Uh, it was kind of hectic for a little while. I mean, I was trying to to walk the straighter line and figure out the sober life and how to do it because I had been gone for so long that it just, mm. nothing made sense to me anymore. But mm -hmm. I got to where uh, I started reading my Bible more. Uh, I got to where I was praying more to where instead of turning to drugs like I always did before, if I had a crisis in my life, I turned straight to praying. Or mm. I just randomly grabbed the Bible and opened it up and tried to see if there was a verse that just jumped out at me that, mm. you know, kind of fit what I was going through. Mm. And uh, I started slowly trying to rebuild my relationships, my foundation, and get to where I was back on track, where I needed to be. Hmm. And then eventually you ended up here. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that, what was that? That was about two, two, three years ago now? I think so. Okay. Some, something about like that. Um, and uh, what have things been like since then? Uh, great, since I found the church. You know what I mean? Like, I try to get more involved with everything that's going on with the church. And like I said, the Alpha Groups helped me slip some serious mm. because I— I, I wasn't a people person. Well, I was, but in different crowds. A mm. crowd like this, nope, you wouldn't get me to talk at all, period. And now we got him on stage, you know. <laughs> period. Yeah. A crowd like this, I'd be the one in the very back yeah. and looking at the ground. But like I said, the Alpha Groups helped me to the point to where I can open up. I don't mind talking about addiction mm. and, you know, how it ruined my life and mm. opening up to people. So, I mean, the Alpha Groups really helped. That's awesome. And then I saw, I didn't even know this, so I saw the pictures earlier. So you were, you're not just reading about loving other people and serving other people. I saw you were at Hampton on Friday night passing oh, yeah, out. Yeah, they kind of got me on a bad picture, though. Oh, well, sorry. You know, Somebody sorry. snapped a picture when I was taking a selfie with the, with the cook, you know what I mean? So they kind of got me on that one. Well, um, we want to just say thank you for sharing your story with us, um, for opening up your heart, um, and we're going to be with you and praying for you on this journey as sure. uh, you re rebuild the foundations of your life. So let's, get, let's give Brian a loud applause. Thank you, man. Um, talking with Brian and, and hearing his story, one of the things I love is that it illustrates that it's never too late to rebuild your foundation. Whether you feel like you had one that was strong when you were good, a strong foundation of faith, and over time the cracks began to grow, uh, it's never too late to renovate and to experience a full renovation through God's power at work in your life. And so this morning, I know there's some of you here, you've you know, maybe you grew up reading the Bible and trying to live it out, and then maybe that faded. There's others of you, maybe you've opened up the Bible and you're like, this book is, it's wonderful, but it's also weird, and that is true. There's a lot, a lot of different stuff in here. It's not like opening up, you know, Harry Potter or something. I don't know. I was trying to think of a book. Fifty Shades of Grey came to mind, but I was like, I can't say that. Uh, <laughs> I've never read it. Never read it. Um... 
It's not like reading other book. I mean, it's different genres. <laughs> different genres, different stuff like that. So one of the things where I was going is one of the things we like to do as a church is, is not just talk about things. We like to help equip you to live these things out in your life. And so we don't want to just talk about, hey, you know what? You need to read the Bible and live it out. Good luck. See you next week. We want to uh, try to equip you, give you tools and help. And so actually our ushers um, are going to pass out. We have a little gift for you this morning. Um, it's nothing like super fancy or crazy or anything. Ushers, where are you? Nobody's... Okay, yeah, go ahead and pass them out. Um, go ahead and pass them out. Um, and so the, it's just a sheet of paper. Uh, but... I want to invite you to take this and, and maybe keep it in your Bible, tape it in the front of your Bible, fold it up, uh, put it somewhere where you read the Bible. You can make copies, give one to a friend. Uh, basically, this is just some basic tips on reading the Bible for yourself and understanding it and beginning to grow in your knowledge of the scriptures so that you can begin living them out. And so once again, this is nothing fancy. This is nothing crazy. Um, but, but sometimes what happens is we get so overwhelmed that we never actually begin. And so our hope is that this tool will be helpful for you. And so when you look at the guides we're passing out, you'll see that the first thing on there that I want to encourage you to do if you're trying to rebuild some foundations of your faith upon God's word is to simply plan. Make a plan for reading the Bible because what happens is a lot of times we, we, we kind of treat it like the gym in our lives. We're like, oh yeah, we know that's a good thing, but then we actually never go because we only go when we feel like it and we never actually feel like it that much. And especially when you begin reading the Bible, it might not be something that you wake up and you're like, yes, I'm so excited for. And so I want to encourage you to make a plan. Think about, hey, what are, what are some things I can read? What, what's a time I can read each day? What's a place that's going to be conducive to reading? And then figure out ahead of time what you plan to read that day. And so if you go on here, it mentions Bible.com, which is the website for the Bible app. They have thousands of reading plans that can help you. And basically it says, hey, Monday, read this. Tuesday, read this. And just kind of go sequentially. And if you don't know where to start, you can simply start in one of the Gospels, like Luke's Gospel. That's my favorite. And just start and maybe read a chapter a day. And some people like reading the Bible very deeply, like reading a few verses and, and really thinking about those. Other people like to try to read through the Bible in a year. And so, you know, you're reading a little bit longer and you're reading more widely. But find a plan that works for you and then begin to simply just start. Start reading the Bible. If you get off track, just pick it up and keep going again. And then after you plan, I would encourage you to pray and to prepare your heart before you actually read. In Hebrews, we read this, that the word of God is alive and active. And so when we come to the Bible, we're not just coming and analyzing some ancient artifact. I want you to come with expectation that God is going to meet you and that God is going to speak to you through his holy word. Prepare to be comforted. Prepare to be challenged. Prepare to be convicted. Prepare to be stretched and grow. And John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, I love what he says. This is uh, something I have. I read every week as I'm preparing the sermon. He says, the Spirit of God not only inspired those who wrote the Bible, but the Spirit of God continually inspires, supernaturally assists those that read it with earnest prayer. And so ask God to help you to open your eyes, to reveal new things to you. So pray in prepare, and then uh, 
Ponder. Think about what you're reading. Don't just treat it like a checklist, like, okay, I did it today, good, I can go, you know, go on, run to my next thing. No, as you read it, look for connections. If you have questions and you don't know what's going on, underline things, circle things, put question marks, find other people that you can read the Bible with. The Bible was designed to be read in community. And so say, hey, I don't understand this. Read it with your spouse, with your family. Begin to to jot down things, research things, think about things. And then in here, there's some questions that you don't have to do all these each day, but these might be helpful for you as you're reflecting on the scriptures. Ask yourself things like, "What, what was this passage about? What do we learn about God and people from this passage? What might the Holy Spirit be trying to communicate to me through this passage? So think about what you're reading. Make observations. And then, like we see in the parable, don't just read and think about the Scriptures and learn new information. Also begin seeking to put it into practice. Begin not only listening, but living it out. And there's a question on here I love. It's, is the Holy Spirit nudging me to do or to contemplate something in response to this passage? So it's simply saying, yeah, I I read this now. Now, how does this affect and how does this connect with my life? And as we see from Jesus' words, it's listening and it's living it out. And yes, the storms of life are going to come. They're going to come no matter who you are, no matter how faithful you are. But as we're building a foundation upon listening and living out God's word, we will be able to survive those storms and stand strong in the midst of them. So I encourage you, save that. Uh, This might be old hat for you. This might be new. Maybe this is for a friend and you need to give this to a friend today or make a copy of it. Um, But we hope that'll be helpful for you. And then uh, in just a moment, we're going to have the third graders come up here and receive Bibles. And we're giving them two Bibles. One is the Action Bible. It's like a comic book Bible. It's pretty cool. Um, then the other is the New International Reader's Version. And so it's, it's, it's a Bible written in elementary school kind of language to simplify it a little bit for them so that they can begin doing these same things, so they can begin reading, they can begin letting it transform their lives. And so they're going to come in in just a minute, and all the kids are, and so as, as your kids come in, if you'll just help them uh, find you and identify you. And as they're coming in, <laughs> What? Yeah, identify you. Yeah, they got to see you. Uh, and as, as they're coming in, um, we were digging through the archives this week, and I found an old video I, I thought you might want to watch. So we'll sit back while the kids come in. In our staffing offices, but I kind of wanted to bring you to this point right here. Right now, we're standing in the middle of our platform, and uh, over on the left-hand side is a, a, baptism, a baptismal pool, and... Um, seating all behind you here, but I wanted to come to this moment today, to this spot, because uh, since long before we ever got to this place, I have thought about this moment in the life of our church. When we were building our first ministry facility, when we were about ready to pour the concrete, lay the foundation. You know, spiritually speaking, uh, speaking, the foundation of a church is so important. Now, we have said from day one here at Harvest Point, that our number one core value was God's Word. And so today, I I brought a Bible that I'm going to be placing here so that when at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning when the concrete trucks show up 
as they pour this concrete, the Bible, this Bible is going to be placed in the foundation of our church. And I'm even putting it in this very spot because this is the place where the word will be proclaimed over the church and, and the word will be preached. John Wesley, the guy who started the Methodist church, John Wesley always challenges preachers not to preach to itching ears. And it is so important that the word of God for Harvest Point be proclaimed in a way that, as one of my coaches said, that we would preach the whole counsel of God. And my prayer for our church is that we would be students of the word, that together we would know God's word, that we would proclaim God's word boldly, and that we would see what we know is true, that God's word transforms our lives. Not just an intellectual knowledge, but a transformational knowledge that can impact our lives. So today, uh, we're going to be placing this Bible here tomorrow morning. It's going to be poured in. You won't ever see this Bible again, but I pray in the name of Jesus today along with you that this Bible will be a representation, that God's Word will be at the foundation of who our church is this year and every year that is to come, and that God's Word would guide us root us. It would be the thing that is, uh, is our foundation. So I'm going to put this Bible right here. Tomorrow morning, concrete trucks are going to put concrete all over it. But today, I want to invite you with me to pray this prayer. Would you join me and pray together? God, we thank you for your word because it is truly a gift. It is life. The psalmist proclaimed, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And Lord, we pray today that you would bless our church with the ability to stay on track with your word. May your word be the foundation because in your word is truth and life. And Lord, we pray that through all the years, decades and centuries of the ministry of this church, Harvest Point, which will far outlast all of us, that you would let your word be the foundation of this church. Don't let us get off of it, Lord. May we be able to say that the church that we built in this place is a true proclaimer of your word. Thank you, Jesus. We claim it today to be true. In the name of Jesus, we pray.